live from the ESPN 690 and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. I don't know what to do anymore. All my NFL brothers continue to die, and uh, nobody's doing it about it. I talked to another brother. He spent the weekend in a psych ward today. The NFL just doesn't care. They don't care. I mean, it's, they're going to write condolence letters and like that. But if they were invested, they'd actually put some money behind the Legends community and into the mental health and substance abuse side of it. And not Once you're bad for the brand, the shield, they don't... I don't know what I don't know what the hell to do. They don't get how precious life is. And then I have this survivor's guilt. A ton of it. You need to do something. Everybody's just be part of the solution, please. Oof. That is former NFL quarterback Ryan Leaf, who's obviously battled a lot of things over the last couple of decades and impressively come out on the other side of it. Yeah. And to his last comment, there survivor's guilt of coming out on the other side of it. Yeah. Uh, very courageous in, in what Ryan Leaf has done and does, and, and, and especially recently, you know, to meet it head on, talk about it, uh, what his past has been and, and what his life is like. And I think he actually is – I see him on Twitter a little bit, and I see the reaction. I think the reaction is really strong to what Ryan Leaf has done and his uh, ability to use a platform for a positive way. So in this instance, I believe most recently this was triggered by the death of Vincent Jackson, mm -hmm. the wide receiver uh, for the Chargers and, and, you know, most recently with the Bucks, uh, passed away earlier this week. It was some very surprising news mm -hmm. uh, in a hotel room, right? Yeah. So Ryan Leaf, I think, is is triggered by that. But he's talking about it on a broad level. And I asked you this question earlier in the show, in a commercial. Mm -hmm. And I, I wrestle with this a little bit because I guess the answer is probably the NFL does not do enough. <clears throat> Yet at the same time, I'm just not specifically sure what they can do, should do, need to do. Because I don't live in that world and I, I don't know what they do. Now, you've spoken to us before as someone who retired from the NFL you know, whether it's like the YMCA that you're able to still go to or some of these benefits and services that you still have as a player, which you openly say that's pretty cool. Like mm -hmm. still able to do some of those things. Uh, there are other things that you can do right when you retire, I think, to see certain doctors and see what kind of damage has been done to your body. Uh, I know. Uh, I, I think I don't want to speak for him, but I believe David Garrard and I, I think even like Brad Meester have done the uh study i think there's one in south florida there's also one up in new england where they've gone and let their brain yeah i mean i've, analyzed. I've done the one in boston you've done yeah, that yeah, okay yep i've done um, the one in boston i remember you sharing that the super bowl because we Correct. spoke to somebody about that yeah and that was actually um aaron campman former jaguar reached out to me um we kind of caught up a little bit i told him i was pursuing mma and then he suggested that i go to the boston one because they specialize in in you know brain um scans and brain health and things like that because that's what i wanted to focus on obviously with mma getting punched in the face all the and time and so that's a paid for thing by the nfl right the nfl allows you to do that yeah yeah uh you, you pay up front but then they reimburse 100 percent. okay yes so there are some things so i think what you gotta be careful of in this discussion is like the nfl just doesn't care you boom you're a piece of no meat, no they're, and boom yeah. uh, you know and i think there's been Improvements, by the way, I think a lot of the angst over the NFL had to do with former players like back in the day mm -hmm. that, you know, are all of a sudden have all these 
issues. Yeah. CTE has become more prevalent now that technology, uh, modern medicine, all more recent studies have, you know, seriously, seriously said there's a, a connection between playing the game and problems mentally or uh, with your brain. So I think it's those players who didn't get paid millions and millions of dollars that have been on the forefront of this. Because, again, I mean, that's a lot to put your body through. It's a lot to live through. Sometimes you don't live through it. And what a, what a lot of folks like me or, or fans would say is, well, you get paid millions of dollars to do it. You yeah. signed up for it. Okay, well, but those folks, especially back in like the 60s and 70s, even the 80s, they didn't get paid that kind of money. Right. I mean, they might still be trying to work jobs to make ends meet. They did not just be rich by playing in the NFL. This day and age player. Yes, there is something to be said for that. You can be a very wealthy person by playing a professional sport. Not all we remind people, but you can be. Uh, So that's my diatribe on it. I, I don't know if the NFL doesn't. I don't think they don't do anything. I also don't know if they do enough. Ryan Leaf's message is they need to do more. Yeah. Um, listen, th- it, to me, it's such a complicated topic because there's a few things that are taking place here. Do we have time to talk about this? We got we we had some time here before we go to break. All right. Oh yeah. All right. Cool. Cool. So you know, this is to me, this is a collection of a couple things, Brent. Number one, and we talked about this during the break a little bit. To go from playing the game of football, the game that you played, you know, since you're in third or fourth grade. And to play it at the highest level, you know, into your 20s, sometimes your 30s, and if you're lucky, you know, your 40s, um, the, the, the constant was always the game, right? So, like, that's what you're accustomed to. And, yeah, you went to college and you did your studies, but, like, it was football, man. And you got to the pros, it was football. And usually the way it works is when, you know, you're, it's your time to walk away from the game. Nine times out of ten, you don't go out on your own terms, Okay. And when you don't go out in your own terms, that means that you probably didn't plan for what was about to happen to you. All right? Kind of happened to me a little bit. But I, I kind of saw the light, thankfully, and I had the foresight to be like, all right, you better have a backup plan or Austin just in case football doesn't work out. A lot of guys don't have the backup plan because a lot of guys think they're going to play forever. And that's not how it works, man. Um, when, 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 you sit in that, uh, when you sit in that coach's meeting the final time, they're like, hey, man, you're not good enough anymore. We'll see you later. And obviously it's spoken a little more eloquently than that. But that's basically what they're saying to you. Then you're left to your own devices, and that can be a very hard pill to swallow. And you mentioned this during the break, and you brought up a great point. You go from the autographs, you go from the love on Twitter or whatever you want to say, and then all of a sudden nobody cares anymore. Or at least you get the sense that nobody cares anymore. And this has come from my perspective, who I thought I had a good transition out of the NFL. But that's kind of how I felt. You know what I'm saying? So there's that. And then there's also the case... And, you know, it's hard for me to speak on this because I don't experience it, but I know a lot of former teammates, um, and I'll share a story real quick. I'm not going to tell the guy's name. I'll, I'll, I'll save him from that. But I know a guy that I played with, and this is about two years ago, started having headaches, started um, kind of forgetting, you know, things about, like, you know, what he did that day. Um, eventually, the, the migraines and the headaches got so bad that he got a cortisone shot. Now, when you get the cortisone shot, for whatever reason, um, there was a, a bad reaction to it, and his his eye closed. Mm. So he, he 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 could only see you know through one eye for a while until I guess it unfroze or whatever the reason may be, and now he can see, but he still has headaches. And I know these are the cases with a lot of guys. And I think the problem with the game of football, 
And listen, I love the game of football. I'm, I'm thankful for what it's given to me, and thankfully, knock on wood, a million times I haven't had any, you know, CT effects or concussion repercussions yet. And keep in mind, I mean, um, I fight in a cage as well, so I'm, I'm not I'm not naive to the fact that I'm definitely uh, I'm definitely risking it. Let's just say, and, and I'm not naive to that fact. But I think that when you play the sport of football, whether it's in high school, college, or the pros, what do they always tell you? Play next play. Play next play, play next play. So you're always on to the next thing. We've had how many guys on the show, Brent, who said their biggest regret is that they never lived in the moment. They're always on to the next thing. And I think mentally it can affect you, but also physically it can affect you. Because when you're worried about the next season or when you're worried about the next game, you don't know what you're putting yourself through in that moment. And maybe you're there is some kind of, Exactly. And maybe there is some trauma there. Right. Maybe there is some kind of injury that, that you're neglecting or that you fail to notice just so you can get another paycheck, because you know what? It's not guaranteed money. So you get what you can get. Um, you know, that's one of the first things to tell you as, as a veteran in the NFL. They're going to tell you, hey, you better play through it, man, because you only get so many paychecks. So I think there's some of that where guys are playing the next play, playing the next play, and all of a sudden they're gone. And now they have time to sit and just relax and, and, and reflect a little bit. And they're saying, oh, man. I have headaches. Oh, man, my body is really jacked up. And that's kind of the first time they can actually self-reflect on how they're feeling. Yeah. So go ahead. Yeah. No, no, it's, it's, I think it's a great point. I mean, I think a lot of those, you, you do live in the moment. I mean, they should almost be living in the moment. Yeah. But a lot of us are able to craft out our careers, at least in our minds, that go some 25, 30 years, right? Of course. And, and players can't do that. Athletes just can't, can't do that. And sometimes they try to do that blindly. Yeah. And that's not even, that's more fiction than fact. Yeah. You know, because even if, if I were you and I get drafted in the fifth round, I'm like, hey, I'm going to play for the next 10, 12 years. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm going to retire. Or somebody like Cliff Averill, I always bring yeah. up Cliff here yeah. because Cliff basically told his dad he wasn't going to play, I think, after 10 years. Wanted to get to 10 years, and, and yeah. that was it. And I think it was right around 10 years. Then he had the big injury, too, and he ends up getting out. And he's in good shape, and he still has everything, you know, yeah. functioning. And, and so he got out at the right time, made a lot of money. But So he had that goal in mind. But it doesn't mean you were going to get to that. You know, you can think I want to get to that. doesn't mean – and nobody wants to start thinking, well, what if it, I only make it two and a half years? What yeah. if I make it three years? Well, nobody wants to think about that. So – to kind of address a little more of, of Ryan Leaf's um, statement yeah. about how nobody really cares, um, you're alone, all that type of stuff. The NFL's not doing enough, essentially. Correct. I'll share my perspective. I'll get back to Ryan Leaf's perspective. The, the Greg Hardy fight. I've shared this before. After that fight, I was not a happy camper, let's yeah, just yeah. say. Right? You're not um, in a good place. I, I was not in a good place. Now, nobody reached out to me, but I knew that I had stuff at my disposal if I had to talk to somebody for free due to the NFL. But it's me, man. This is former NFL player Austin Lane coming out and saying, I don't want to ask anybody for help. You know, like, I, I want to get through this on my own. Like, this yeah. is this is, this is is the toxic masculinity that football teaches you, right? So I'm like, I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to talk to a random stranger on the phone who I have no idea who they are. I'll get through it myself. And guess what? I did. And thanks for the help of family and friends as well. But I got through it, man. And and we're all good. I mean, it was nothing serious at the time, but it it is what it is. I think, and once again, I don't want to speak on behalf of Ryan Leaf or other players because we all have different journeys. But for the most part, I can probably guarantee you that these guys in the NFL or, or, you know, former players, they don't want to ask for help. No way. Because because they're... Sign of weakness almost. Exactly. And while they got nothing to prove to anybody, it's like to the point where... 
it's so ingrained in you through training camp. You got to be tough. You got to you got to play next play, play next play. Don't dwell in the moment where it's almost like that kind of carries over uh, into your real life. And like you're afraid to ask for help because it shows a sign of weakness. And you don't want to show weakness on a football field. You don't want to show weakness in a locker room. That's uh, that's like the big taboo. You don't want to do that. So I feel like some guys out there are experiencing that where if someone would reach out, if somebody would call them, it would make all the difference in the world. I've shared this before a little bit with you, Brent. The Detroit Lions. Now, listen, I don't know why the Detroit Lions call me every every other month to check in on me, yeah. to ask me about my son, to ask me how Jacksonville's doing, to ask me about my career path. But like when we have these conversations, I kind of get it a little bit. Yeah. Right? Because I would never call and reach out to the Detroit Lions for anything. Uh, with with all due respect to the Detroit Lions, I don't want I don't need to come see a game or go to training camp. I think it's important to note you were there for like a month. I was there for a month. Not even a month. A month. Brent. Literally a glitch on the radar, and that was it, man. A cup of coffee, and I'm out. But they still call, and they still check up on me. And I'm not just saying organization. I'm saying former players who came before me because you get the sense it's kind of a brotherhood a little bit. And, like, when we have these conversations right now about transitioning out of the NFL, I get why they're calling me. They're just saying, hey, man, if you ever want to talk about something, you need some help, we're here for you. You're, you're not by yourself. And this isn't like a call to arms of saying, well, every NFL team's got to do what the Detroit Lions are doing. But I'm just saying that could go a long way. Yeah. And, and I, they're under the shield. So, I mean, that's, exactly. that's a team that's reaching out to yeah. people they employed. So if, if I'm the NFL PA, because let's be honest here, we can talk about this, but do we have any solutions? I mean, there's no point in talking about it if we can't find some sort of solution uh, or positive from this. So I think that if I'm the NFL PA, um, you know, if if I'm a guy who's doing very well uh, in his life with his family or whatever the case may be, I check up on people because it's one thing to have those things at your disposal, right? We're always reminded that we get letters in the mail. Uh, you have the app. You get emails. Hey, if you ever need anything, let us know. Okay. But who you're dealing with as a, pro- a former professional athlete, a former football player, it's it's so hard to come out and ask for help. So sometimes you almost got to do it for the for the, the player, the former player. As messed up as that sounds, I hope I can clarify that. Sometimes you got to do that. So I think if there was more focus on, hey, let's go ahead and reach out to these guys. Let's check up on these guys a little bit. Let's see how they're doing. Yeah, it's one thing to put it out there and say, if you ever want to contact us, give us a call. That's cool. But no, you actually you have to make the attempt to contact those guys. Yeah, and I th- or it would help. It would I, help. I don't know if they have to, but it yeah. certainly it sounds like what Detroit's doing yeah. is is appreciated. Of course. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And again, you don't need it. You're fine with yeah, all that I'm stuff. Good, man. But yeah. you, you said it to me in our when we were discussing this. Who yeah. knows who that's helping? Exactly. Like who like who knows who needs that phone call? Of course. Who knows like, hey, we still love you, man. We still need know yeah. you there. Yeah. And I always think like there's two things that I, I believe that a lot of people envy, and I'm not sure I fully do. Mm. And one of them is uh, totally different than this. But related to sports is that five star recruit in high school being recruited since he was in eighth grade. Sure. And I think every kid and I've got high school kids and I think a lot of kids are like, man, I wish somebody call me, <laughs> you know, all this stuff. I wish I was like, oh, that must be so cool. And I don't think it is like I really don't. I, I don't envy that kid. It's having not to make a this kid, bro. tough decision, grow yeah. up faster than they want to need to and have all this attention bestowed on them mm-hmm. when. Quite frankly, what the hell have they done, right? Like Correct. nothing yet, right? Yeah. So I I don't like that process. I think that's tough on the kid. I think it's way more difficult than people want to admit. Mm-hmm. And some of those kids don't really have a lot of stability even in their life to help make a an informed decision. They have to get rushed into and forced into, which is one of the reasons I don't like the way the college 
thing works, yeah. forced into a decision and and make it hastily at times. So I've never envied that kid. I think I mean we cover those kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's nothing to do with the kids. I just don't envy it as much as other people do. The other one is the athlete. Well, you kind of envy the the stage and the spotlight and the arena and that. Wow, that'd be cool to do that at some point. The exit strategy from that is not simple. Uh, I, I feel for the athlete who has to go through that because, like we were saying, you know, you go to the grocery store when you're playing for the Jags, and it's like, hey, that's it's Austin Lane. That's yeah, whatever. Yeah. You know, you move to somewhere in Texas, and you go to that grocery store, and people are like, hey, that's a big guy. Yeah, for sure. You're right. Like, they point at it, but they yeah. don't ask you for anything. Of course. Right? They don't so, know. And some people, like, that's – that's almost like an addiction sometimes. It is. You get treated that way a lot of folks that play professional sports, of course. high school, college, the NFL. Where does that go? Like, mm-hmm. how do you make that up? Well, you can't. You mm-hmm. don't. A lot of people talk about making up the competitive nature of it. I think that's a difficult thing. Yeah. That's why people go play golf. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Or or maybe that's why John Elway's still in the front office. Yeah. Right. To yep. fix to feed that fix. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how you feed the lack of attention. In that sense. And that's a tough thing going into the real world. And not only that, I do believe athletes the way, again, you talk about your athlete that's a big star through college, maybe even through high school. Uh, uh, take a Leonard Fournette. He's mm-hmm. been a star since he was like 11 or 12 years old. Yep. And however you feel about Leonard Fournette, I can tell you one thing for sure is there's a lot of people along the way that have done things for Leonard Fournette. Like he hasn't had to do a lot. Like he has, he, you need to be somewhere. Okay. Hey, Leonard, you got to get somewhere. Uh, yeah. You need to this. Hey, Leonard, I'll give it to you. Yeah. You know, all this stuff. Well, when you get out, when Leonard Fournette gets out of of the NFL, say, in eight years, and he's just a, a guy that's a, a part of society, mm-hmm. nobody's calling him at eight in the morning or <laughs> or noon yeah. and bringing him things and getting him things. And You have to become a regular person. You know, yeah. even if you had a great career, you still have to become a regular person. And maybe by that time you have enough money, all this stuff. I think that transition is so difficult. And there's both ends of the spectrum. Maybe the Vincent Jackson one was part of one end of the spectrum. I mean, there's also the Steve Largent end of the spectrum. This guy played a long time in in the NFL back in the day, and he became a congressman. Yeah. You know, and I haven't seen a lot of ill effects of of the game on him. I don't know how his health is. I tried to look it up quick, and I don't see much in that respect. And then you've got a guy like right in the middle of it. The guy that I look at is like Puzz. Yeah. Right? Puzz loved. There's, n- you know it. Uh, there's nobody many that times. loved to play the game of football more than Paul yeah. Puzz loves me. Yeah, it's his life. Smart guy. Mm-hmm. Has a family. Yes. Gets out, but reluctantly gets out because he loves the game so much. Yeah. He's flying and gets his pilot license. Yeah, he's going to business school. Yeah. He joined us last year. Says, you know, he still misses the game. I saw him at the stadium. Miss it. You can tell he misses it. Yeah, now yeah. it looks like he's getting back into coaching. Mm-hmm. He took a lot of hits. He looks fine, though. He looks like he's got all his faculties oh, dude, and he, he's in good shape. He's Captain America. Come on now. But you don't, even a guy like him has to, he's like, okay, do I want to go fly? Do I want to go to business school? Do I want to get back into coaching? I missed the game. Do I need to spend time with my family? I, yeah. All these things go through your mind. I just think it's hard. Like, yeah. I think it's way, I don't think, and by the way, the public, nobody feels bad for you. Yeah. Because they're like, I wish I could have done that. No, like, sure. that's they, what average show guy says, right? Yeah. They don't get it. Like, I don't even really get it. Yeah. But I just think it's less enviable than people think, especially on your way out the door. No, for sure. Two things real quick. You know, like, 
I've never been to an AA meeting before. I've talked to people who've been to AA meetings, and they say, like, listen, it, it doesn't make you, like, necessarily fix you, but it helps to kind of share other people's stories and, and know that you're not alone. The same thing can be said for the NFL, man. It's crazy how we go from, like, this tight-knit brotherhood and everything. And listen, and I'll be I'll be the person to say, like, I don't keep in contact with a bunch of my teammates. Maybe I should because you go from, you know, sharing blood, sweat, and tears and having that close relationship to all of a sudden you retire, and it's like, what is he doing now? What is he doing now? So I feel like we can all do a better job of staying in touch with each other, knowing, hey, we're here for you if you need something. You know what I'm saying? That goes a long way, in my opinion. The other point I want to real, make real quick, you know, like, guys with Puzz, man, who – they're on the next journey, and we'll see how that works out for them. But I can't stress this enough. There's going to be a day if you're a professional athlete where you realize that people love you for more for what you do than who you are as a person. And that's going to be a very hard pill to swallow. But if you have another plan in mind, and this is counterproductive of being the NFL, I get that. But if you have a backup plan, if you got a plan B, that can get you a long place too. Yeah, and by the way, like with the money that potentially you did make, you find something that fulfills you, something Correct. that you have a passion for. Yeah. Right? That's something, part of something it. Something of who you are. Yeah. Exactly. Not just go to a nine to five job, Correct. but maybe something that really you can get invested in again. Yes. That fulfills that vacancy of football that you were invested in for 10, 15, 20 years, really your entire life. Exhibit A right here, bro. Yeah. Exhibit yes, A right here. Like, you better believe uh, it. It's a, it's a deep conversation. It Ryan is. Leaf brings it up, but I think it's a real deal conversation. And I will sum it up with this. I don't know exactly how much is on the NFL because I, I don't know how you predict when it's going to go bad for somebody I just don't know the reality of that but you can always do more you, and maybe teams can do more I know you, uh, you, and you that's can always, always do more I, I guess the biggest thing is man if you, if you need help don't like you know and I love what Hayden Hurst is doing because Hayden Hurst is is really big on this yes. he's using his platform he's absolutely crushing he's it right now he's a great example and of he's it. A, he's a prime example of it but, like, no one's going to think any less of you if you reach out for help, man. I yeah. think people would actually admire that more. They, Yeah, I think a lot of people have admiration yep. for it, not just for an athlete, for anybody. anybody. Yeah. Uh, we'll be back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau. It's, it's, there's three islands, and it can be very nice and lucrative, by the way. You could be a huge winner, but you could be a huge loser, too. You might not have a boat to get home. Austin Lane. Well, I like that, man. I love that analogy. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Carolina is going to become a place that players want to go. That's a coach I think a lot of people want to play for, and it's a better team than you realize. So that becomes a real interesting possibility. When the Texans decide that they are going to trade away Deshaun Watson, which they will, watch Carolina be a very aggressive pursuer. Carolina. How do you feel about that? Carolina's a sneaky team. It's interesting. Like, what is he thinking what is he thinking about Bridgewater? Yeah. What is what is he thinking about? Are you talking about Carolina, Deshaun Watson or Matt Rule? You? Matt Rule. Okay, yeah. I yeah. think Carolina's sneaky on the quarterback front, and I think Washington is too, mm-hmm. to make a big move, right? Rivera now year two. They feel good about their defense. Is there a window for that defense? Uh, Carolina, obviously, they got McCaffrey. They've signed this huge deal. They need to get more dynamic at the quarterback spot. It's interesting. Yeah. You know? Um, that, that's an interesting one. Mike Greenberg, you hear him on ESPN 690, an interesting take there. Let's get South Beach Gary in real quick. Can you just address the one comment, though, real quick on YouTube? Because I love it. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, 
Yeah, the, the Ian Jensen. Uh, what does he say exactly? Get you a show that talks about being in the sink one day and then have this real talk the next. Good job, fellas. Yeah, it's almost like, by the way, it's we almost it like all, we man. wrote that because when we left the break, we oh, said that. Oh, I said the exact same thing. We went from peeing in the sink to on the couch, actually. actually. Not peeing on the couch, actually. but actually on the couch. But listen, man, you, you got to find you some radios that can do both those yeah. things, you know? And uh, we just did. Yeah. South Beach Gary, what's happening? You got Deshaun Watson on your mind or what? Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. First of all, though, it's interesting, guys, uh, because, uh, Austin, I heard you mention a couple times about how Detroit has reached out for you. I find that interesting, don't you, Brent? Because, you know, naturally Detroit's kind of thought of as a rudderless organization, kind of, you know, they, they, they basically gets in their own way a lot of the time. Yeah, South Beach Gary, I've said this before when Austin's brought that up, and it, I thought if you told me, like, a team like New England did that, I'd be like, okay, I get it. That makes some sense. You know, one of those organizations that have, like, Pittsburgh, like, yeah. they do that. Okay, that makes some sense. So, I hear you. I, like, it did surprise me that Detroit was the one that did it. I think it's a really cool thing that they do, too. Um, and, and this even sheds more light on it. There's different people within the organization. Say that one more time. I lost you there. I, I was wondering, Austin, is it the same person that reaches out to Austin, or oh no, Austin, I've, or is it? No, I, I've said this before a little bit. It's um, it's d different former players. Um, so sometimes it's like a, an assistant in the stadium currently, um, who offers you know like you can come watch a practice or bring the family for a weekend. Obviously with COVID now it's different. But you can bring a family for a weekend and they have a suite for you. So every other month or so I get a phone call with the Detroit area code. It's usually it's a former player or somebody in the office. So it's it's always somebody different. Good, good for them. I'm proud of them for doing that. Yeah, that's uh, cool. The, the uh, what I was going to talk about the Deshaun Watson, Brent. You're asking. Uh, I find it, why, why Houston would be interested in Carolina because simply because of their draft position, picking eight. There's a chance that you know at eight, Houston might not be able to get any of the top three or four, you know, quarterback prospects coming out. Yeah, that's why I think a lot of people, uh, you know, never associated. Uh, Houston trading with Carolina, I think, guys. Thanks. All right, you got it. Yeah, um, I don't know how you feel about it. I mean, I think they could do a myriad of things. Yes. I think that's why. I think that's why they're interesting to me. I think Washington uh, has been rumored to jump up, or people think they might be in the mix. But Carolina can do a ton of things. They can go young. Mm -hmm. They can take that and drop back. They can use that, uh, you know, as a carrot for somebody who wants that pick to get like a Houston in that suggestion. Mm -hmm. They don't have a draft pick. They could have a top ten pick. Yeah. Right. So, uh, you know, I, I think that that's why I still say about Deshaun Watson, the best thing for Houston to do is start to replenish their system because it doesn't matter. It's like baseball. Bottom line is you can win like once in baseball, but if you don't have a good farm system, you can't sustain it. Correct. Like the reason why the Red Sox got good and started to win a lot, the reason why the Dodgers and the Yankees Astros. are not like Astros, but they have this farm. The reason why Tampa has been good, I think, at times. It's because their farm system is good. So when you need to make a – first of all, you develop your talent. Mm -hmm. But when you need to make a trade, you have the ammunition to make a trade. So if you want to go get a big bopper at the All-Star break, well, now you've got a farm system that you can dangle this in front of a team, and they're willing to do it. Yeah. So I think to that – that's what Houston needs. Houston needs to be replenished. They're, they're in a bad situation money-wise. They're in some bad situations age-wise, and they have no draft capital. Yeah. No, listen, in, term, like, in terms of a team, like, rebuilding itself, like, I, in my opinion, we'll see what happens in Sean Watson, but there's no way, like, Houston's going to go back to the playoffs and making a run. Like, right now, I think with the way the, the organization sits and everything, and you got a new coaching staff, a new regime, like, this is going to be a rebuild. 
And depending on Watson, it could take a couple years. So I agree with you. I, I think right now you, you get what you can because let's be honest, like this is kind of like the last great battle, in my opinion, of pushing a player all in. If they choose to keep Deshaun Watson, it's essentially Houston saying, you know what? We don't believe you. We think you're going to play this year. Let's see what you got. Let's see your cards. And it's one of the, the last great battles. Now, I'm not sure if, if they actually want to have that battle or not, but it'll be one to watch. We talked I'm in for it. Yeah, we talked about this at the top of the show a little bit. We've talked about this over the last few weeks. I went to Cartersville, Georgia, went up to Urban Meyer's hometown after I went to Trevor Lawrence's hometown. We've now been at Clemson a couple of times Flex. in the last two weeks. Flex. So uh, we've had a lot of these discussions. But yeah. I thought it was a good article by John Shipley and, and Connor Orr today on, in Sports Illustrated just laying it out what Trevor Lawrence could mean to the Jags. And again, folks, I, I want to just keep reminding you, these are not over-dramatizations. This is what people think. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, you can be afraid, like, oh my gosh, it's going to be a big bust now. Like, you got to be, oh my gosh, like, what if he doesn't live up to this? Like, you get that when you talk like this about a guy. You yep. say, he says, you guys are overhyping him. You, you guys are putting too much pressure on him. Listen, like it or not, and fortunate or unfortunate, Trevor Lawrence been dealing with this kind of pressure since he was like in eighth grade. Yeah, I mean, he has been ballyhooed. I mean, this might be different. This is, a, this is <laughs> yeah. a city brand. He's been. Yeah. He's been Deal with a lot of pressure that, sure. it, it, because sure. he was known as this commodity that could really play football. Correct. And then as his legend grew, he had to live up to it. You have to you, when you set the standard, you got to live up to it. He goes to Clemson. He's one of the best prospects in the country. He has to live up to it. He does. He had to do it after his freshman year. He does. And then he does again. And now he's going to be tasked with asked to live up with it on the football field. But I think what the interesting part is, what can he do off the football field? And, by the way, Davil Swinney isn't shying away from the high expectations. He put it on him last week. He said he's going to be a global icon in 10 years. Like yeah. You watch. like and, and what we have said about Trevor Lawrence, and I think this is as admirable as it gets, as unbelievable as this guy might be from a check-the-box and on-the-football-field standpoint, they say but, he's even better off the football field. So, but, Okay, so then let's answer that question, though. Like, listen, if you're one of the best quarterbacks in the league, yes, you're going to get your shine. Ask Patrick Mahomes about that. Oh, yeah. Ask Russell Wilson. Ask Aaron Rodgers. Like, yes. But, like, we, we keep saying that off the field. He's he's going to be the savior of Jacksonville. He's going to be this global brand. Well, I think impact's a word. I don't oh. look savior. I don't, okay. I don't, I don't well, say that. I, I just think he is the ramifications of his success on the field yeah. and what kind of person he is from what we've been told yeah. off the field are going to be very impactful. But let me ask you this question, though. What about him off the field makes him such a mega superstar? Because, like, for instance, I could have told you if Johnny Menzel would have succeeded, he would have been the biggest star in the NFL. Because True. just the personality, the you know, the, the memingness that he used to always yeah, do. Yeah. Like you got the sense he would have been a star, but he didn't. He, you know, he, he trickled out. What makes Trevor Lawrence so great then? I think it's a great comp, right? Because folks like Johnny Manziel, again, I'm not trying to be critical of him, but folks like Johnny Manziel are more flash in the pan kind of folks in that sense because they don't have sustainability. Because well, a lot yeah. of them don't know who they are. Right. They get caught up in that windfall. Sure. I think yeah. that's one of the things about Trevor Lawrence is he knows exactly who he is and he's comfortable being who he is. And so if you just take the off the field stuff, the endorsements are going to come. Now, there's some debate at how many because of the pandemic. And but everybody talks about head and shoulders or the yeah, shampoo yeah. commercials. They're, those endorsements are going to come. We had Martin Buckley on. And this is where I think this article is a little bit wrong in terms of one of the folks that talked in it, not Shipley and Connor Orr, but one of the, the folks that they used. They said, well, 
you know, his marketability in terms of signing with a Panini or one of the card industry folks might not be as much. Well, we have Martin Buckley from Palm Beach Autographs who does this for a living. Yeah. He says he's going to have a record deal as yeah. a rookie. Now, we'll see if it comes to fruition. But he said a record deal. And you're talking about a record deal. You're talking seven-figure kind of deal. Mm-hmm. So I but, think he is going to have that cachet even with the Jaguars, as a number one pick in terms of memorabilia, endorsement, sure. those kind of things. See, I can see the the memorabilia part. But, like, here's where I'm trying to go with it. Like, I don't know Trevor Lawrence's personality, but I do know doing some research on it, the whole reason why he got it, like, super in, in, in the faith, you know, and, and, and going to church was because when he got on campus, you know, early that his freshman year, he would go to parties and he didn't like it. Like, he, he didn't fit in and he felt like he needed something else to do. So that's where he became strong in his faith. And that's why he's he's a big man of faith now, which is awesome. More power to him. But, like, my point is, like, do we even know, like, does, is Trevor Lawrence, like, endorsement like, is he all about this? Like, does he want the head and shoulders stuff? Does he want all this stuff? Like, does he want to be featured in commercials? And does he want to be talked about that way? Or does he want to go underneath the radar a little bit and just play football? Well, I think there's a little bit of an under-the-radar um, part of him. I, yeah. I think he will be able to pick his spots. Sure. Okay? I'm, yeah. I'm not, I don't think he'll be all over the place. So what comes to mind when you think of Trevor Lawrence, and I think the evidence of this more than what just people are saying is the last year. Mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter, he didn't have to use a voice. He used his voice. That that, that was an uncomfortable time to use a voice yeah. as a white quarterback but, in college but, football. But, Brent, he wasn't selling anything for the Black Lives Matter movement, obviously. He was helping his teammates. He was helping his brothers. Like That had nothing to do with an endorsement. That had nothing to do with trying to be I, a better yeah, human I, being. I think we're mixing endorsements too much with the impact on community. Okay. Okay, because okay. we have to separate. Endorsements are in this pile. Okay. Okay. That's head and shoulders. That's memorabilia. Endorsements also make you become a star. Like well, we're talking that's about national being star, a star. Bar. Exactly. That's if you sign a seven mil, a seven figure deal to yeah. be a an endorser of a card company or memorabilia, you're a star. Of course. All right. That's on, that's if he does the head and shoulders commercial, or whatever. Yeah. You're a star. Okay. The impact elsewhere is what is Mahomes doing in Kansas City? What did Peyton Manning do in Indianapolis? Right. Sure. I'm not talking about his funny commercials or Saturday Night Live. Okay. That's where maybe it's the spirituality of, of Trevor Lawrence. Sure. But maybe it's the willingness to speak about things that he believes in. Mm. Black Lives Matter for his teammates. Yes. Uh, let's play, or uh, I forget what the actual slogan was now, uh, but for he, again, him and Justin Fields, very prominent yeah. in saying we want to play. Yeah. I think it was maybe we want to play. Yeah, 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 <laughs> you know, yeah. In, in the COVID world. Yeah. Those are things, again, that he didn't have to do, but he did because he felt strongly about it. Yeah. I don't know. I can't sit here and tell you I know what he's going to feel strongly about yeah. in Jacksonville or beyond or what issues, but it seems like he's willing to do that when there is something. Sure. I mean, heck, even whatever church he chooses to be a part of in oh, Jacksonville, be, yeah. be a major impact. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that's the Jacksonville impact. Let's stay on it for a moment because it's beyond that. Uh, and I don't know if I agree with everything in this article, mm-hmm. but it's interesting to point out just how wide-ranging whether Trevor Lawrence chooses to be or sometimes whether he likes it or not, yeah. his impact can be felt. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's coming up on ESPN 6 Night. From high school to college, 
and into the pros, you're seeing more athletic, dominant type quarterbacks that doesn't look traditional, right? We want to see a laser rocket arm. Oh, my God, this guy can pierce it through a tire with no problem at all. All that cliche stuff. Jalen Hurts, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers to a degree. Those are the quarterbacks that make sense in the National Football League based on the offensive skill set that they have. That is where the quarterback position is. Keyshawn Johnson. Did he say, no, I said, did he say, I know it's not Jalen Hurts talking, Brent. I thought he said Jalen Hurts, like as as an example, one of the guys. Let's go check the tape. Type quarterbacks that doesn't look traditional, right? We want it, but no problem at all. All that cliche stuff. Jalen Hurts, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray. All right, good. That's who we start out with, huh? Jalen Hurts, all right. Guys played three games. Might be on my uh, 2021 fantasy football must-have quarterback list. (laughs) It's on Keyshawn's too, apparently. Yeah, maybe. Maybe (laughs) maybe we're talking to the same people. Maybe, Uh, Maybe Keyshawn's talking to me. I'm gonna have. I'm gonna take this guy instead, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, Trevor Lawrence <laughs> talk continues. Real quick, we're referring to the Sports Illustrated article today, uh, and we talked about it a little bit at the top of the show, last segment too, just the impact Lawrence can make, and that's kind of what this article was about. Yeah. And so, one thing we talked about at the top of the show, so I won't reiterate too much, uh, and I understand you might not have been with us two and a half hours ago. But the, what I liked about the article the most was a comparison to Peyton Manning in Indianapolis. Not necessarily Peyton Manning, the player, but how everything converged really over like a 10-year period. Peyton Manning struggled in the early going, but then Peyton Manning became a guy they knew they could win. They started winning games. They didn't win Super Bowls right away or anything like that, but they won one. They made – it became Colts fever. Like it, it became a big thing in the city. Yeah. And by the way, the Colts were awful before that. They really were. They were bad for a long time. Well, on top of that, in 2000, I think it was eight, Lucas Oil Stadium gets built. So more now toward the end of Peyton's career, if you really eh, maybe gets a decade into it, they build that stadium, so that becomes the house that Peyton built. Mm-hmm. Well, at that same time, the city is building up. They start hosting a lot more events, even a Super Bowl, and you've got this convergence of a megastar, a football team that people love in town, a new stadium, New business was, was, and a buzz about your city. Was the combine there before Peyton Manning, or not? That's a good you know? call. I I can look that up. Yeah, I'd have to look that up too. I, that's a really good call. I feel like it's been there for a long, long time, and it feels like it's been there forever. But I don't know if that's a reality. So yeah, look that up. Gotcha. Um, It'll take me like twenty five like minutes. I don't know how that. much of a I don't know how much of a convention city Indianapolis was to begin oh, with. Nineteen eighty seven. That's when it started there? Yes. Okay, well, that's a long time. I yeah, mean, that's yeah. free. Yeah, okay, so, no so idea. Indianapolis already always been kind of a convention city, partly because it's right in the middle of the country. Mm-hmm. But it elevated into, like, a really good convention city, like a, a sure. city that you'll go to. And so his impact on that was certainly tangible. He didn't do everything. It wasn't all because of Manning. I, I want to make that clear. But he certainly was an influencer in that. And I think everybody in Indianapolis admits that. Bill Polian in this article does the same. So I think in Jacksonville, if all those things can converge, Trevor Lawrence being good, Trevor Lawrence success on the field, the Jag success, and obviously there's motivation to do things in a fast-growing market, then I think a lot of that can come together. They also bring up in this article like London because of the global fan base of the Jags, I get it. I don't know where the London thing stands right now, so I don't have a strong opinion on this. Mm-hmm. Are the Jags going to continue to play in London? How many games in London? Um, 
is the NFL going to continue play in London? Like we're, I think most people believe yes and yes to those questions, but we don't know. And especially in a pandemic, that's very hard to tell. I do think fans are going to rush to get 16 jerseys. I wouldn't worry about London as much. I would say Clemson, South Carolina, all the way down to Jacksonville, to Cartersville, Georgia. Those are places where you're going to see a lot of teal. Yeah. Hey, this You're not going to just see it in northeast Florida. You're going to see 16 jerseys all over the country because of Trevor Lawrence. So there's a there's an obvious impact uh, there as well. So his impact is going to be massive, uh, both personally for himself because of the endorsements and things, yeah. but also what he does in this community. And, and there is one element. You said this. You got to win. You got to be good. Yeah. You got to win. And the Jags. Jags owe that to Trevor Lawrence as much as they owe that to the fans and everybody else to try to win. Here's a fun question. Do you think Trevor Lawrence will have the highest selling rookie jersey? I do. I think so too. I think he really is. Would, I, I think he is. I think he transcends Jacksonville to that degree already. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, what are you thinking? Fields? Zach Wilson? I mean, it's not going to be Trask or Mac Jones. No. Could Zach Wilson be that guy? I don't know. Trey Lance? I don't think so. No. No. I, I, I think it's I would, undoubtedly, I Trevor. in fact, as we talk through this, sure, it will definitely be Trevor Lawrence. And that says a lot. Well, especially for the first year. Now, one of those guys has like a breakout. You know, I mean, oh, you yeah, never no know. Doubt, like, no I mean, I'm sure Justin Herbert jerseys are going up now. Absolutely. But for a first year... Yeah, you have to go Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, I think there's yeah. no doubt Yeah, uh, in, in that sense. Cool. Uh, a couple of topics we didn't get to today. We'll yeah, what to else is tomorrow? New? One of them is trios in sports. And, and the reason, did you see like LeBron's comments about, yeah. you know, the Nets? He's like, don't forget about the Warriors now. They were just yeah. pretty good. No, for sure. But uh, interestingly enough, I brought this topic up the other day about tennis. Yeah. Like tennis, like it's the most underrated trio like ever. Yeah. It's Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic. Yeah. Because I think Djokovic might be the most underrated male athlete of all time. Mm-hmm. Nobody would ever guess he's accomplished what he's accomplished. No, without a doubt. So talk a little bit more about that. Uh, trios, I mean, uh, uh, hey, I'm, I'm looking at one right here, Brett. And we're a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. So enough said. But. LeBron is talking about us, and Tom yeah. Brady is obviously listening to us. You better believe it. <laughs> Just Rent check his free in their heads. Rent free right now. All right. Uh, hey, no live local loud tonight. We'll go to national programming. Uh, we'll see you on TV tonight, CBS 47, Fox 30. Big baseball game. St. John's Country Day in Bowls. We're going to have our cameras there. Some soccer as well. So check out some high school action uh, later tonight on CBS 47, Fox 30. Hey, by the way, congrats to Kaylee. Yeah. But, I mean, you, you ain't going to brag about her, so I will. She had a big win last she night. Got her first win last night. Awesome. So did Creekside. They actually did very well. Cool. Uh, Behind her, of course. All right, we'll see you on TV. Back here tomorrow on ESPN 690 at 3.